Good morning, Frontline family. Thank you so much for joining us online today. I welcome you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are privileged to be in the house this morning and broadcast the service live from our church. We are really missing our online family, our Frontline family, and even though we can't be together in person today, we remain determined as a body to unite as one as we worship the Lord together. And before we get into the Word, I have a special announcement that I want to share with you today. After much prayer, consideration, and planning, we are pleased to inform you that the church will be reopening from Sunday the 13th of September 2020, which is basically two weeks from today. And this includes Children's Church. This is not a decision that we have taken lightly by no means, but we feel that the timing is now right for the body to come together in accordance with the guideline of 50 people per gathering. This does mean, however, that we will need to register on church center to secure your seat for any given Sunday. And our officers will make sure that everyone has an equal opportunity to visit the church by using a rostering system. For details on how to register, we will be sending out a special video this coming week to guide you through the registration process. If for whatever reason you feel that you're not ready to come back to church and that you want to wait a while before you decide to do so, please know from our side that there is no pressure from us as this is a decision that each adult needs to make for themselves as well as for their families. We will have the necessary health and safety protocol in place and screening will be done on everyone before you are able to enter the church buildings. More details about this protocol and social distancing measures will be shared on the video that will go out this week. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church officers and I'm sure we can assist you with whatever you need. We will share our contact details with you at the end of the service today. Having said all of that, we are really looking forward to being together again with you soon. Let's pray together as we commit this word to the Lord. Father God, we come to you this morning and we commit our lives to you in the beautiful name of Jesus. As we go through this word today, Father, help us to fully grasp what it means to find our identity in you and what it means to be a part of the family of God and a child of God. There are many Christians that have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but because of certain life experiences, they have not accepted you as their Father. So we pray today that you would give us a revelation of your love, what it means to be your son or your daughter, and how that affects the value that we place on ourselves and affects the way that we live. Let us have a revelation of your unending and your unstoppable love today. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, this morning, I want to start by reading you a scripture. If you'd like to go in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Ephesians, chapter 1, and I'm going to read from verses 3 to 6. This is what it says. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us in the one He loves. So church, today I want to speak to you about your identity. You would have seen the title of my message this morning. I want to speak to you about your identity and what defines you. You know, we often go through life and we think about these things that define us. You know, what is the most important thing about me? What is the deepest thing about me? You know, what do I stand for? I mean, I know what my name is. I know what I do, where I live and the things that I like. But what is the one thing that defines me and the one thing that defines you more than anything else? If someone had to come up to you and ask you who you really are, what would you say to them? And the reason I started with this scripture is in the Bible, church, because the Bible says that if you're a Christian, God the Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. And listen to this. In love, He predestined us for adoption through sonship or to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. This is what God says about our position as, his, as God's sons and His daughters. He predestined it before the world was created. God chose us because He wanted us and it was His pleasure and His will to adopt us as His sons and his daughters and you know what church that is the deepest thing about me and that is the deepest thing about you theologian J.R. Packer in his book Knowing God answers the question about what it really means to be a Christian you know what really defines a Christian and he says, the richest answer I can give to that question is that a Christian is someone who has God as his father. That's what we have. We are his sons. We are his daughters. We have a father in heaven, and so we belong. We're not fatherless. We're not orphans. We have a father that, that we belong to. He loves us. He cares about us. And it's in his heart to provide for us and to bless us. Now that's the good news. The sad news is that many believers don't live in the reality of that love. Even though we are saved, a lot of Christians still have an orphan spirit. You know, church, I was in Brazil about 16 years ago. And in one of the most famous towns in the world, Rio de Janeiro, you have these street kids that come in and beg for money. They pickpocket tourists and are even known for killing people if they don't hand over their jewelry or their shopping bags to them. And when we arrived in Rio de Janeiro, 
the travel consultants told us, you know, they warned us about these children. You know, don't walk around with jewelry. Don't walk around with your shopping bags because they could kill you. And it's kind of um, scary, but it's really sad because these kids live a really rough life. Most of them are orphaned. Many of them are are abandoned by their parents that died from AIDS or some other kind of disease or due to drug addiction. And they end up on the streets with nobody to take care of them. The system completely fails them. And these kids, they have to take care of themselves. And so what they do is they gang up together and they steal and try to, to make a living. They try to survive on the streets. And a lot of them are these small, young children. Most of them are sniffing glue. And very few, if any, make it into their 20s. They die at a really young age for all kinds of reasons. And at one stage, it was even believed that the police tried to take them out. They tried to kill these children because of the nuisance factor to the tourism industry. And they live a very tough life because they have no one to go to at the end of the day. They have nobody that cares for them, nobody that watches over them or provides for them. They're standing on their own. You know, it's really hard for these boys. It's even harder for the girls because they end up getting abused, fall pregnant and and abort their babies. And it gets really messy. And society, by and large, despise them because they look down on these children. They are a bother. They are a nuisance. And look, Brazil is not the only place where this happens. This happens all over the world. There are way too many orphans in our society and church to some degree and I'm going to explain what I'm what I'm saying here to some degree whether small or big we all have an orphan spirit in us and certain things may have happened in your life where you don't see God the Father as this loving person you see him as a judge you don't see him as a loving father but rather someone who is just waiting for you to mess up so that he can condemn you Some of you relate well to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit, but when it comes to God the Father, you know, you can't quite relate to Him. You know, you may have had a bad relationship with your earthly father, or you may never even have known your earthly father. And because of that, you cannot relate to God the Father. And the reality is, church, if we are disconnected from the love of the Father in our hearts, spiritually we start to function as if we're orphaned. Kind of like these children in Rio. They don't have a home to go to. They don't have a father that provides for them and and protects them. They have to do it in their own strength. And so they're very focused on themselves and, and, and their world revolves around what they can do and what they can get. But it's a really stressful and and messed up life. It's a restless life. And you know. As a Christian, you can even sit in a worship service and sing songs and and lift your hands, but at the same time have your heart disconnected or withdrawn from Father God. And when we live like this, it's like we're living spiritually as orphans. But God doesn't want us to remain in that orphan state. He wants us to know the truth about His love for us. Christian author and speaker Jack Frost 
wrote some books on this topic many years ago. And he said in one of his books that if you have an orphan spirit, you feel as though you don't belong. You believe that you always have to act right, dress right, talk right, and do right in order to be loved and accepted. And even then it still doesn't happen. You feel as if there's always something more you have to do in order to find rest and feel valued. With the spirit of sonship, however, you feel loved, you feel valued, you feel honored and accepted for who you are as God's creation. You have no need to prove yourself to anyone as a son or a daughter. You feel a complete sense of love and acceptance, but as an orphan, you feel like you're on the, you're on the outside looking in. You know, I get a picture in my mind where this orphan is standing on the outside of a house looking inside and he sees this father sitting on a couch with the, the children sitting on his lap and they're all content and they're happy and they're full of joy. And maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like you're on the outside looking in, trying as hard as you can to perform and be good enough to earn a place in someone's heart. Now, as I said, there's probably some of that orphan spirit in all of us. We inherited that. The only people who didn't have it at first were Adam and Eve, but they, even they exchanged their sonship when they turned from God and chose to go their own way. And because of that, cho that choice, church, that's been passed down to the generations. And you see, there's something in all of us, that independent spirit that wants to separate from the Father, that wants to go it, its own way, that wants to do life in its own strength and what ends up happening is we try to make a name for ourselves we try, we try to make our name great right instead of just acknowledging it's submitting to the father acknowledging that he is our father that we came from him and he has the rights to name us we don't go out and try to make a name for ourselves we are those who submit to God and let God give us our name why? Because an identity cannot be earned, it can only be given. Only God can give you your identity. Only God can do that. And the independent spirit is the one thing that really hinders us from experiencing or entering into the love of the Father. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 9 says, Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? We are called to have a heart that is submitted to God. We don't do our own thing. We are here to do God's thing. We are not here to go our own way as as Fleetwood Mac would sing, we are here to go God's way. We submit to our Father in heaven. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So characteristics of a son is a heart that is submitted to the leadership of God. A person that comes before God and says, God, I acknowledge that you are my Father. And I give you the right to name me, to define me, to give me my identity. 
I'm going to get my sense of worth and value not from my accomplishments or, or what everyone has to say about me. I'm going to look to you for that. And I give you permission to declare over me who I am and what my value is. And that's kind of where it all begins to happen, church. It begins to, where life begins to spring forth in our hearts. You know, Jesus was the perfect example of this. He was a good son, right? He was the perfect son. And when he was on the earth, he went about the father's business. He lived in submission to the, his father and he drew the life out of his relationship with his father. He did what he saw the father doing. He spoke what he heard the father saying. He lived out of that reality, that connectedness with his father. He submitted to his father. And we have to learn from that. You know, church, there are many things that are true about us. Many things. But I believe there's only one thing that is, shall I say, the most true, the most significant, the most defining, the deepest thing about us. There are many things that are true about us. There are many things that are true about me. My name is Ryan DeClerc. I'm, I'm 46 years old. I'm from the south of Johannesburg, Gauteng, and I live in South Africa, right? I'm married and I have two daughters. I have two dogs and I, I like watching sport. I've got strengths, but I've also got some weaknesses in my life. I've done a few things well, but I've also really messed up a couple of things in my life. There's some people that I know, and there's some, a lot of people that, that I don't know. The Lord has given me some resources to steward over in this life, and, and so on and so on. There's a lot that's true about me, and there's a lot that's true about you. Some good and, and some not so good. And that's okay, but the problem is that when we take something that's true about us and we make that the most significant thing about us, we make that the thing that defines us. We look to that thing or, the, or that person to give us our sense of identity and self-worth, and, and that's when we run into trouble. And this can happen in all spheres of life. This can happen with your job. It can happen as a parent. It can happen in ministry. Wherever it is, wherever you're adding value or wherever you're succeeding or impacting other people's lives, we tend to take that and we make that the thing that defines us. We let that determine our worth and our value. But then what if you lose your ministry? What if you're no longer a singer on the band? What if you lose your job? What if your boyfriend or your girlfriend walks away from you? What if you're not able to do that, that sport that brings you so much self-confidence and so much identity? What if that's taken away from you? And you see, if you're allowing someone or something to give you your sense of worth, then you're also allowing that someone or something to take away your sense of worth. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What is it in your life currently that has given you your strongest dose of self-worth? What is it in your life right now that has given you your strongest sense of identity? Because church, God wants to be that person in your life. God wants to be the person who defines you. 
And we all need to repent if we are looking to, to people or accomplishments to, to define who we really are. Our identity is in Him. So sometimes we look at the positive things in our life to define us, but we also do it with the negative things. You know, there are many men and women who struggle with purity and other sin in their lives. We all do to some degree or another. And when it gets to a place where there's, there's this real strong bondage when it comes to sin, it's like such a battle to break free from these sins, and there is so much shame that comes in. And it's almost like they're letting their sin define who they are. But I want to tell you this morning that sin is not the deepest thing about you. There's something deeper than that. You see, the devil knows your name, but, but he calls you by your sin. But not God. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. I want you to know that your sin doesn't define you. God defines you. And I want us to have a look at a couple of scriptures this morning just to drive home the love that the Father has for you and for me. And if you're the type of person that is skeptical about the Father's love for you, I want you to write down these scriptures and pray over them daily until it becomes a part of who you are. And this is by no means a comprehensive list, but it will give you a good foundation to build on. Are you ready to take some notes? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, it says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Church, God set this whole plan for salvation into motion because He loved me and He wanted me. That's good news. That's a good place to start. Jesus, when he was on the earth, he came to reveal the Father to us. Jesus, of course, knew the Father, and he came to the earth, and he made known to us, he declared to us what the Father was like. And it says in John chapter 1, verse 18, that no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Later in John 17 verse 26, he talks to the Father and says, And I have declared them to you. I declare to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus declared to us what the Father was like and that this love could be real in our hearts. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 to 39, probably one of my favorite scriptures says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, 
nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, church, at the time when Jesus died on the cross, when we think of it, it makes us feel so loved, right? But that was the love of the Father put on display for the whole world to see. That love that Jesus demonstrated even until death, that was the love of the Father put on display for you and for me. The love of God was made manifest in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 16 verse 27, Jesus says, For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. And you know what? You can declare that over your life again and again and again. The Father himself, he loves you. John chapter 14 verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus' home was at the bosom of of the Father, right? Intimate with the Father at His right hand. And Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to come to you. And the Father and I, what we have, our intimacy, our connectedness, the home in heaven, that reality, we're going to bring it to you. We are going to make our home in you. And we're going to draw your heart into the intimacy and into the fellowship that the Father and the Son experience. I mean, isn't that incredible? We can come near as His beloved children. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 says, For through Him, through Jesus Christ, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Through Jesus, we have access to God the Father. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It just gets better and better. Let me give you two more. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And finally, in Romans 8.15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You know what, church? Take those scriptures and, and pray them over your life daily. Let it become a part of who you are. Because this love is the real thing. It's not some cool idea. This is a burning reality. And God wants your heart connected to it. The love of God is not some elusive thing. It is real. It's here. And it's for you. And He wants you to know it. God wants you to know that He loves you. He doesn't want you to doubt it. You know, church, just to give you an analogy... If you were to go up to Renelle and ask her, you know what, does Ryan really love you? What do you think she'd say? It might be a bit awkward, but you could go ahead and ask her. And if she stood there and said, you know what, 
Well, that's a good question. Um, we've been married for 12 years. We've done a, a lot of things together. You know, I guess he loves me. I think he loves me. I hope he loves me. If she responded like that, you know what? I'd be horrified. My heart would be broken because I love my wife. And I want it settled in her heart that I love her. I don't want to ever have to question that. I want her to wake up in the morning and have the rest that she's waking up next to a person who deeply loves her. And church, how much more does God want to assure us that He loves us? We have a good Father and He's for you. He's not against you. He's for you. It's the same with my, my daughter, Rachel. From the age of about four years old, we started this game called I Love You More. And whoever says I love you more first is the winner for the day. And we try to get each other in all kinds of ways throughout the day. And we have been doing this every day for the last seven years. And I'll often tell her, you know what, she can't love me more because I'm older than her, you know. She can't love me more because my heart is, is bigger than hers. And she says, you know what, no way, Dad. Just because you're older than me, that doesn't mean I can't love you more. She says, I love you with a million hearts. And we often say to each other, you know what, wait until we get into heaven one day, and then God's going to say, who's the winner, right? But you know what I think God's going to say when we get there? He's going to say, nice try, because I'm the winner, because I am love. And you know, church, I want Renell and my girls, Courtney and Rachel, to know that I love them. I want them to know that they are secure in this love and that I notice them, that I see them, you know, that I look at what they're doing, that I, I really notice them. So I'm constantly letting them know how much I love them and how beautiful they are to me. And I'm not saying that I get it right all the time, church, but it's in my heart that they would not be insecure in my love for them. And why am I telling you all of this, church? Because how much more does God want you to be secure in His unending, unfailing, and unstoppable love? And as I begin to wrap up this morning, I want you to know that you're loved. I want you to know that God the Father loves you more. And speaking to all the women first this morning, it seems like sometimes there's still that question that lingers in your heart. And even though you may, you may be an older woman, in your heart you're still a little girl that wants to come before God the Father and ask Him, Have you seen me, Father? Do you notice me? Do you, do you love me? I mean, I know you see her and I know you, you notice her, but do you, do you look at me in the same way? And you may even be asking as a little girl would ask your earthly father, Father, do you, do you think I'm beautiful? Maybe no one's ever told you that before. And you're thinking, Father, do you think I'm beautiful? And I want to show you today that the Father has seen you. His eyes on you and He declares to you, your Father in heaven, He says, you are beautiful to me. You are beautiful to me. You're my daughter. I am a proud daddy. I'm proud to call you my own. You move my heart. Now for us guys, sometimes we look in women or our jobs and what we achieve to, 
in life to find what we haven't found in our relationship with God. And you know what? All of those things don't give you an identity. You're not awesome because you have a girlfriend or a wife or because you, you're achieving in, in different parts of your life. You're awesome because God loves you. And He has a plan for your life to, have a, to be a man after His own heart. He has placed in you what it means to be a father to your own family and even to the fatherless. Church, God sees each of us in a unique way. There's nobody like us. And what that also means is that we move the heart of God like nobody else can. You and God have something that nobody else has. You know, sometimes in life we get all depressed and we think, you know what, what's the use of me being here? If I were to die, nobody would miss me. I could just be replaced. There's no use for me being here on this earth. If you believe that, that is a lie. You can never be replaced. Nobody else can give God what you can give Him. If you would end your life, if you would check out of, the, of this life, if you would give up of, on God or give up on yourself, God would not have something for all of eternity that otherwise He would have had. You are irreplaceable in His sight. There is no limit to your value. He has created you to be in a loving relationship with Him for eternity. You give God something that He will forever cherish. God wants you to know today that He loves you and that your identity is found in Him. He has done everything He can do to show you His love. He has even sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross for you. And all He requires in return is that you would accept His love and His truths and walk in the identity and adoption as His sons and His daughters. And all He's asking us today is, would you accept the love that I have for you? Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for your promises in your word today. We know that we're only scratching the surface, Lord, when it comes to discovering the depths and the magnitude of your unending love. But we pray that this reality will become a part of who we are and that we would walk in the inheritance that you have predestined for us as the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. We pray that you would get rid of the orphan spirit that is inside of us, Lord, that leads us into a life of worry, restlessness, and, and stress. And that we would walk in, in, in the assurance and peace and joy of your love that breaks all boundaries and heals all brokenness and leads us into your loving arms. And I pray this in the wonderful and magnificent name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, amen, Frontline family. Thank you so much for joining us again this morning. We look forward to gathering again with you soon in our church. Please have a look at the details at the end of the service with regards to contact details, our prayer line, as well as for tithing and offering. Have a blessed Sunday further. We love you. We miss you. And 
See you again soon. Bless you guys.